I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello, everybody. So today we are going to be doing a deck tech. We picked a particularly spicy archetype. Yeah. During our EDH rec deep dive, we noticed that there was one deck that we thought people were choosing not quite the right commander for. When we got to the five color decks, we noticed that people were using Corona, False God, as a god tribal list. And that didn't make a a whole lot of sense to us. Yeah. (laughs) Although, like, Corona can benefit the creature type of your choice, and she does have god in her name, there's nothing about Corona that makes gods particularly work well in that deck. No. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Not a lot of inherent synergy there. Yeah, definitely not. We decided to share a deck that we think has a lot more reason to run gods in. It works a lot better with it. Yeah, so we are going to be using Child of Alara as the god commander. It has a lot of tech that we think benefits that archetype a lot more (laughs) than just Corona does. (laughs) Absolutely. But before we get into that, I just want to take a quick second to talk about our Patreon patrons and how you can support the show. So Commander Theory recently launched its Patreon page, which means that all of you listeners can now start directly supporting the show and get access to some sweet rewards. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron and vote on what sort of content you'd like to see and get a shout out in the show's credits. If you're willing to give a little bit more, you can hang out with us on Google Hangouts, get one-on-one deck advice, get your questions answered on the podcast, and more. So check us out at patreon.com slash commandertheory and become a patron today. If you're on a tight budget and can't commit to becoming a patron, you can also help us out by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps other potential listeners find us so we can grow our listener base, invest some more time and money into the podcast, and produce better content, which you get to enjoy free of charge. All because you took a few seconds to write a review. So Child of Alara, for those who aren't familiar with it, is five colors. Its mana cost is white, blue, black, red, green. It is a legendary avatar. It is a 6-6 with trample. And the most important ability on here is when Child of Alara dies, destroy all non-land permanents. They can't be regenerated. So what makes this a particularly effective commander for God Tribal is the fact that most gods are indestructible. There is more reason to run gods in this deck than pretty much any other commander because you're going to be continually wiping the board with Child of Alara but your Erebos, your Bantu, your Crufix, none of them are going to be affected by it. Let's start off by talking about the suite of gods in this deck. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to choose gods that either had synergy with Child of Alara or just did something that was generically useful. Mm-hmm. The problem with running a whole lot of gods is that a lot of them don't really synergize with each other. For yeah. example, like you can't make a lot of use out of your... Phoenix. Perforos di- isn't super good in this list. Yeah. They contribute to different strategies, so it's hard to fit them all under the same roof. Yeah, it, a lot of the gods kind of honed in on an aspect. And so when you're just trying to throw all of those kind of strategies into one umbrella, you're actually not going to end up with a cohesive unit. You're going to just end up with Karametra sitting there, and then Perforos is sitting there. None of them are creatures. Mm-hmm. You didn't 
you didn't get a land off of Karametra because you played Perforos. It's the same with like Athreos. Like if nothing's dying, why did you play him? Yeah. Like it's really goof. So we cut it down to about 10 gods that we think are going to be particularly useful in this list. The first one, and probably the most important one, is Bantu the Glorified. So Bantu the Glorified is 2 and a black for a 4-6 legendary god. She has Menace and Indestructible. She can't attack or block unless a creature died under your control this turn. And she can pay 1 and a black and sacrifice another creature to scry 1 and drain your opponents for 1. This card is particularly good in this list because Shaldolara completely revolves around its sacrifice outlets. Yeah. <laughs> like, the deck doesn't work if you don't have a way to get Shaldolara into your graveyard. So Bantu is great because it's a sack outlet that's very hard to remove and gives you something useful in exchange for sacrificing your commander. And we'll kill them eventually. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, if you can actually get a loop going with Shaldolara... Be like, all right, sack child, hit you with Bantu, pass. And then <laughs> there you go, all right, reanimate child, sack child, ba- Pat, do, are we good? Are yeah. we good? <laughs> so Afara, god of the polis. For those of you who aren't familiar with her, mm-hmm. Afara has, at the beginning of each upkeep, if you had another creature enter the battlefield under your control this turn, draw a card. She's also two white blue for a 6-5 indestructible, and she's not a creature unless your devotion to white and blue is seven or more. This, like, very much synergizes with what the deck is trying to do, even just based on, like, the silly anecdote I just said. Mm-hmm. You're hoping to get Child into play most turns, whether you reanimate it or return it to your hand or something like that so you can cast it again. And when you do that, Afara gives you a card and keeps your hand full, and that is great. That That's super synergistic. Yeah, it's good value. What's the next legendary god we wanted to include? Yes, so this is Erebos. So Erebos is a mono-black, three and a black, for a legendary god, 5-7, indestructible. He's not a creature unless your devotion to black is five or more. And he has your opponents can't gain life and pay one black and two life. Draw a card. So drawing cards is naturally pretty good. Yeah. It's convenient in this list as just something to do with all your mana, which you're going to have a lot of. Yeah, you're going to have a lot. This card is very good as a card draw engine, just a mm-hmm. greed that never dies. Yeah, it's a solid, solid one. The next god that we wanted to include was Kefnet the Mindful. So this is two and a blue for a 5-5 five, five legendary god, flying and indestructible. It can't attack or block unless you have seven or more cards in hand. And then it has the activated ability, three and a blue, draw a card, then you may return a land you control to its owner's hand. So this does a lot of things for your deck. For one, it's not actually that difficult to get seven or more cards in hand. Oh, yeah. There's a fair amount of card draw in the deck. You're also limited by how many lands you can play in each turn. Mm -hmm. And this ability definitely helps you get there pretty quickly. Also, just bouncing lands is occasionally pretty useful. This deck runs, say, like Bajookabog. This card is pretty effective, and it's nice that the the land bouncing is optional, because sometimes you won't have those few lands that it synergizes with. What's another god that we've got in here? Karanos, god of storms, is three blue-red for a 6-5 indestructible, but he's not a creature unless your devotion to blue and red is seven or more. He has revealed the first card you draw on each of your turns. Whenever you reveal a land card this way, draw a card. Whenever you reveal a non-land card this way, Karanos deals three damage to target creature or player. This is just, again, kind of a generally good value engine. It 
sits there as you're cranking through child like death triggers and other things and gives you win con but the, the really cool thing about it is like i said we'll talk more about lands but this deck is running 50 lands so in general you're just going to be like tearing through your list once karanos gets onto the field mm-hmm. so it's a really nice value engine for when you're starting to build up your pantheon of gods on the battlefield <laughs> another great god for this deck is crufix god of horizons this is three green blue for a four seven legendary god it's not a creature as long as you have less than seven devotion to green and blue it's indestructible and has you have no maximum hand size and if unused mana would empty from your mana pool that mana becomes colorless instead you're gonna have a lot of lands in play (laughs) in this deck so it's gonna be very easy for you to store up mana on crufix and then there's also a fair amount of card draw just just among the gods we've talked about so far most of them draw you cards Mm -hmm. you're gonna make good use of that reliquary tower effects on crufix there's a few other gods we want to get to, some of the spicy ones, <laughs> but the this one's pretty all right. This is Thassa, God of the Sea, two and a blue for a 5-5 five, five indestructible. Not a creature unless your devotion to blue is five or more. At the beginning of your upkeep, you scry one, and then uh, one and a blue target creature you control can't be blocked this turn. This is, again, a good value engine. You can end up killing them with commander damage Mm -hmm. pretty easy because even though child does a six six trample like sometimes you just gotta pay two and get in there yeah and it's also just a continual source of card selection Mm -hmm. that won't get wrath away by your commander yep yeah and scry one like over the course of a long game like a game with child of alara can be like just builds up the advantage you feel over the course of a long game is much more than if you're trying to play like some blue aggro list which is trying to win a lot faster Mm mm-hmm I think this is our first non-indestructible uh, indestructible god, but it's the Scarab God. The Scarab God is three blue-black for a 5-5. Five, five. And instead of indestructible, it has, when the Scarab God dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So it kind of just continually will go back to your hand to be used again. And it has, at the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses X life and you scry X, where X is the number of zombies you control. And then you can pay two blue-black exile target creature card from a graveyard, create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a 4-4 black zombie. So this card might be more fresh in people's memories, Mm -hmm. being that we just came out of a pretty heinous standard with, (laughs) with it, but this sticks around. You can steal all the things that you're blowing up, <laughs> which is pretty good. Yeah, it's also nice that it isn't just naturally a creature. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's going to be very hard for you to get enough devotion to activate most of your other gods. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy, he can actually just beat in. He can block. Mm-hmm. Is a 5-5 five, five for 5. Yeah, and, and because your commander is going to be wiping away creatures so frequently, it's nice that you can use the Scarab God and take them out of their graveyards get value out of them Mm -hmm. yeah and help out that because i'm pretty sure they keep their mana cost right even when they're a four four zombie yes yep so that in some weird way you can have some devotion from other people's graveyards (laughs) which is pretty cool um and then our last god for this list is xenagos god of revels three red green for a six five indestructible not a god unless your devotion to green and red are seven and more And at the beginning of combat on your turn, another target creature you control gains haste and plus X plus X, where X is that creature's power. So this is, I mean, this is pretty obvious why this is here. You 
make child or Bantu or whoever huge mm-hmm. <laughs> and you kill someone. <laughs> yeah, Child of Valara naturally is a four turn clock, mm-hmm. which is a, a bit slow, but Xenagos really speeds things up. Mm-hmm. That's the god suite for this deck. There's a, a lot of other like tech in particular. Well, first I just want to talk about the cards that synergize with the commander. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as we said earlier, um, the, the main strategy of this deck is just to be sacrificing Child of Alara and getting it back over and over. And so sack outlets are very important. One that I like a lot is Worthy Cause. So this is a single white for an instant, and it has as an additional cost to cast it, sacrifice a creature, gain life equal to the sacrifice creature's toughness. This wouldn't be great, except it also has buyback too. So it's really more just like an activated ability that you have on all the time. Yeah, as long as it's in your hand. (laughs) Yeah, so unless your opponent has discard effects or counter spells, it's really, really hard for your opponents to interact with. Like your land sack outlets, they can destroy those. Your permanent sack outlets, they can get rid of those. Mm. But just having this in your hand as a way to sack your commander is really difficult for a lot of decks to deal with that's going to be a theme child of Lara kind of pushes towards a game state that makes it hard for people to react to what you're doing Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of these cool cards we're going to talk about (laughs) that kind of work this way like that just attack the deck from an angle where it's really hard for your opponent to interact unless they have like the piece of tech like the counter spell or whatever it is so there's a lot more cool stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of in this vein We've also got a couple one-time sack outlets. So we've got Momentous Fall, which is two green green for an instant. As an additional cost to cast it, sacrifice a creature. You draw cards equal to the sacrifice creature's power, then you gain life equal to its toughness. One thing that should be mentioned with both Momentous Fall and Worthy Cause, the sacrifice is part of the cost. So even if it gets countered, even mm-hmm. if you don't get the effect, you're still going to get your commander into graveyards. You're still going to get that trigger. You're still going to wipe everything out. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of this is that you draw a ton of cards while you're doing the thing you already wanted to do. Mm -hmm. In a similar vein, we're also running Life's Legacy, which is one and a green for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast Life's Legacy, sacrifice creature, draw cards equal to the sacrifice creature's power. So again, draw six cards for two mana while also getting that death trigger that your deck is built around. Mm -hmm. We have a couple land sack outlets that are fairly important. We've got High Market. Mm -hmm. classic commander staple it taps for one colorless mana and it also lets you sacrifice a creature to gain one life we also have phyrexian tower which is a legendary land taps for a colorless and then you can tap and sacrifice a creature to add black black to your mana pool this is mostly better than high market partly because the sacrificing creature is a mana ability I have actually had games where I chose to leave High Market untapped instead of Phyrexian Tower, and then somebody word of seizinged me, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm such an idiot. So it it is relevant at times. Word of seizing has split second for those who uh, maybe don't know. it's, it's It's basically a threaten effect, but for any permanent... And split second means that you can't respond to it except with mana abilities. Mm -hmm. I got got there. (laughs) Another uh, sack outlet that I think is pretty fun in this deck is, you may have to proxy, but it's the Tabernacle (laughs) at Pendril Vale. This is a legendary land from Legends on the reserve list. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All creatures have, at the beginning of your upkeep, destroy this creature unless you pay one. 
if you want to keep your commander around, it's not much of a tax to pay, especially mm -hmm. considering how many lands you're likely to have. Mm -hmm. But it makes it really, really difficult for your opponents to keep creatures on the board, and it's just an easy sack out. If ever you want to get your commander's trigger, mm -hmm. you just don't pay. Yeah, and also this works really well with the gods because it's a destroy. It's not a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So you go, I'm not going to pay one for this, I don't know, Thassa, who for whatever reason is a creature right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, keep on moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. This is a powerful card that synergizes pretty well with your commander. And then the last land sack outlay I want to talk about is Mirin the Moaning Well. Oh, yep. Which is a legendary land that taps for one colorless, and then you could pay three, tap, and sacrifice a creature to gain life equal to that creature's toughness. So that's just another way to sack your commander and also bump up your life total so that you're a little less vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, we, we mentioned it last because it's probably worse than the other few lands that yeah. we just mentioned, but it's definitely like, you'll kind of notice if you do play or play test this deck, you need sack outlets. Yeah. You're going to need those sack outlets and... Just having as many lands that do that really helps the strategy just start chugging along and let you start creeping ahead of just everyone else at the table. Mm -hmm. The unfortunate thing about Child of Alara is that it is a death trigger. Yeah. Like, if it were designed in a modern set, it would probably be a leaves the battlefield trigger mm -hmm. so that you could just send it your, to your command zone. But you actually have to get Child of Alara into your graveyard yeah. <laughs> in order to get that planar cleansing effect. In order to work around that, we've got a lot of ways to get it back from the graveyard, either on top of our library, into our hand, or back onto the battlefield. Mm -hmm. This is like one of my just favorite cards in Commander in general that no one plays with. This is Corpse Dance. It's two and a black instant. Put the top creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, give it haste, and then exile it at the end of the turn. But it also has buyback too. So basically for five mana and keeping track of graveyard order, <laughs> you can reanimate the top creature card of your graveyard and it has haste, and as long as you have a sack outlet, you can just do this every turn. Mm -hmm. And you even get to beat him with your commander, too. Yeah, and you even, yeah, so like, let's say you do have a Phyrexian Tower and a Corpse Dance, and your commander's in your graveyard, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> then that you just attack for six every turn with your commander, and everything blows up. <laughs> yeah. Not bad. And again, like, because it has buyback, it's just really an activated ability practically it's so difficult for your opponents to to interact with this unless they've got counter spells there's a few cards in this vein this one's a little bit worse but still very good disturb burial is one in a black it has buyback three these are buyback cards and it has return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand so again basically another way to get child back just forever from your mm -hmm. graveyard Spend five, bring it back, you can cast it again, keep on moving. <laughs> Definitely not as good as Corpse Dance, but that's okay. Another one that's from a relatively recent set is mm -hmm. Journey to Eternity. So this is one black green for a legendary enchantment aura. It has enchant creature you control, and when enchanted creature dies, return it to the battlefield under your control, then return Journey to Eternity to the battlefield transformed under your control. So the other side is Atzil, Cave of Eternity. It's a legendary land that taps for one mana of any color, and you can pay three black-green and tap it to return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So the initial use of Journey to Eternity, it's just going to give you like one free Child of Alara trigger. Mm -hmm. 
it gets it right back to the battlefield, no problem. And then in the future, you've just got this land that lets you reanimate your commander, and you don't even have to worry about counter spells. Yep, it's super awesome. And I think it's just really cool how just the trigger is worked out, because once the Child of Alara trigger happens, like Journey to Eternity is a land. It's safe. You're totally good. You just put it on your commander, your commander dies, and you're, you're off. And then we've also got a couple lands that serve this purpose. Yeah, so this is a cl- classic. It's Volrath's Stronghold. It's a legendary land. It adds one colorless mana to your mana pool, and it also has one black tap. Put target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. So this is just a very uninteractable way to continually reuse child. You just put it right back on top of your library, Next turn, you can draw it. If you have some way to draw cards, like, a, let's say, a Kefnet or something, you can just keep it going every turn. Mm-hmm. Although this deck has the capability to blow up a child every single turn, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to, because your opponents are eventually going to get the hands, <laughs> but they probably shouldn't be committing permanence to the board yeah. until they figure out a way to deal with these gross loops you've set up. Yeah. <laughs> so Volrath Stronghold, it seems like it might be steep to like keep skipping your draw step, but... It's not actually that big of a problem. Yeah, you're, because you don't have to do it every turn. Yeah, you, a lot of these, like I'm saying, loop them because you can loop them, but it's kind of like shorthand. Like Nick said, you're you don't need to sack child every turn. <laughs> Let's say you've done the child like sack twice. Like how many more things are your opponents gonna <laughs> have? Like, you could probably have a little bit of time to play some gods and build up your board a little bit more. Mm-hmm. The last land recursion card I want to talk about is Haunted Fengraph. So this is a land, it taps for one colorless, and you can pay three tap and sacrifice it to return a creature card at random from your graveyard to your hand. At random, it seems like it's going to be hard to make that work for you, but the thing is, your gods aren't likely to end up in your graveyard yeah and this deck doesn't have that many creatures aside from those gods so it's likely to just hit your commander and then if you get this in combination with a say crucible of worlds or a life from the loam Mm -hmm. which this deck is really actively trying to seek out especially especially life from the loam yeah it's pretty easy to put together another loop where you're just replaying Fengraph, cracking it every turn, playing your commander, sacrificing it over and over. And that may seem like a lot of mana, but trust me, this deck does not have a problem. I think that we're ready to get into that now, because this has a ton of mana and ramp and just things regarding lands. That When looking at this Child of Alara deck, we definitely wanted to include gods because they're all indestructible and so Mm -hmm. they're they're not going to be affected by its trigger but another thing that's not affected by its trigger is just lands it seemed like a really good idea to just invest in lands as much as possible what are the best like cards that interact with lands in this deck Mm -hmm. i mean we mentioned one there's crucible of worlds so just classic three mana artifact you may play lands from your graveyard super awesome with the other card we mentioned uh, life from the loam one green sorcery return up to three target lands from your graveyard to your hand And then it has Dredge 3, so instead of a draw, you can replace one of your draws with Milling 3 and then putting this card in your hand. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just kind of always comes back as always generating value, always getting you those lands. It's similar to like those buyback cards in that it's just really hard to interact with. You're just doing it every single turn. Yeah, Life from the Loam is one of my favorite cards just to start engines with. And again, works in conjunction with a few other cards that let you play additional lands 
There are some non-god creatures in the list, so Azusa Lost But Seeking, when you're getting back a ton of lands, or there's a bunch of lands in your grave, or you're drawing a bunch of cards, she lets you play two additional lands on each of your turns. Helps you ramp into a lot of these gods, get the child down earlier. At the same time, there's like Oracle of Moldiah, a three green for a two-two elf shaman. You can play an additional land on each of your turns, and then you play with the top card of your library revealed, and if it's a land, you can play it, and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This card is awesome and needs a reprint. A couple other creatures that sort of fill that exploration role Mm -hmm. is Sakura Tribe Scout and Sky Shroud Ranger, and they're both green for a 1-1 and have the activated ability to tap, put a land card from your hand into play. Sky Shroud Ranger is slightly worse because it only lets you do it anytime you could cast Cast a sorcery, sorcery. but they both sort of do that. And then um, Wayward Swordtooth is two and a green for a 5-5 dinosaur, with Ascend, it can't attack or block unless you have the City's Blessing, but you can play an additional land on each of your turns. These cards, they won't survive Child of Alara's trigger, but it's kind of worth it either way. You, yeah. Because you don't need to sack Child of Alara every single turn, your opponents, they're scared to commit more things to the board. I can just play these cards that let me drop a bunch of lands, really build out my mana base, mm-hmm. and then if my opponents start to do things again, well, like... If my Wayward Swordtooth let me play three additional lands over the past three turns, he's done his job. I don't care if I'm wiping him away. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you have things like all these reanimation engines where you could get these creatures back if you really needed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then on top of that, there's just a ton of mana ramp where there's a burgeoning. So one green for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent plays a land, you can put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Exploration, uh, one green enchantment. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Mm-hmm. You can probably see a theme with all of these. There's Summer Bloom, one and a green sorcery. You may play up to three additional lands this turn, so just drop in your whole hand down <laughs> a crazy ramp card. And then there's also uh, a couple cantrippy type effects. You've got Explore, which two mana sorcery lets you play an additional land this turn, draw a card. You've also got Growth Spiral, which is green and blue for an instant. Draw a card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So both of these, the mana cost is negligible for this deck. It's just a way for you to decrease your deck size, Mm -hmm. essentially. You're essentially running 98 cards, and they also let you ramp in the early game. Yeah, and the sooner you can get these lands down, the sooner you can kind of get your gods down, the sooner you can get the loop going, and then the sooner your friends will groan in agony. (laughs) (laughs) A couple other land-related cards that we've gotten here are tutors for lands. Again, like this deck doesn't work very well if you don't have ASAC outlet and a way to get your commander back, so... You're running things like Hour of Promise, which Mm -hmm. is a five-cost sorcery that lets you search out two lands from your library and put them on the battlefield so you can get your Phyrexian Tower and your Vorath Stronghold. There's there's some trinket text on that card about deserts that That, I've never used. I've actually used this card a lot in like the last year, and it is awesome, and I have never gotten the zombies (laughs) from it. (laughs) Yeah, they should have pushed deserts harder. Yeah, they should have. All right, Reap and Sow, that's three and green for a sorcery. You can choose one, destroy target land, or search your library for a land card and put that card on the battlefield, then shuffle. It also has entwine, so you could do both if you're willing to pay six. So that's another good way to just get your essential lands. Escape shift, two green green for a sorcery, sacrifice any number of lands, search that many lands out of your library and put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So that's another good way to get multiple of these land combo pieces out pretty easily. Splendid Reclamation also sort of serves that role of like yeah. the Remunap Excavator, the Crucible World, mm-hmm. the Life from the Loam. Just get a bunch of lands 
from your graveyard onto the battlefield. Yeah, and and that card too has, can be nuts. Like just all of a sudden getting like eight or nine lands from your graveyard onto the battlefield can win you the game, <laughs> especially in this list. But in other decks too, I've always been surprised at how far ahead I pull when I have like a really big splendid reclamation. Absolutely, I run a um, Lord Windgrace deck, and this is a card you're always happy. Yeah, with. yeah, always happy. <laughs> so cool. Really quickly, we've also just got Sylvan Scrying, one to green sorcery, search your library for a land card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Expedition map, one cost artifact, pay two, tap, sacrifice it, search your library for a land, and put it in your hand. I want to talk about this card because I think there's some misconceptions about it. Sure, go ahead. So we're running Tempt with Discovery, which is three and a green sorcery, and it has Tempting Offer, which was part of a cycle of group huggy cards, but not really. But it has search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. Each opponent may search his or her library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. For each opponent who searches a library this way, search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. Then each player who searched their library this way shuffles it. So basically, you get whatever land you want for four. And then if someone else gets a land, you get another land. And if someone else gets a land, you get another land. So you can spend four mana and conceivably get, like, if you're into four-player games, four lands. Any lands you want into play untapped for four mana. And there's not really, like, unless no one gets a land, which is probably the correct play... Someone always gets a land, and then you're screwed, because if you're the one person who doesn't get a land, then mm. that opponent just went up two or three lands, and this one went up one, and you you just didn't get the value that... Now you're, like, limping behind everyone. Yeah, one scab is enough to ruin the game yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. So this is really, like, very good card. I've really been blown away. Like, even in lists that don't just have Urborg Coffers kind of thing, mm-hmm. this card has been really good, and it is definitely not a group hug card. Like, I would highly recommend just playing this, especially if you have lands that are important, like this deck does. Mm-hmm. The last land searcher I want to mention is yeah. Crop Rotation. Mm-hmm. So this is green instant, as additional cost to cast it, sacrifice a land, search your library for a land card, and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. You may be asking yourself, well, like, you have Life from the Loam, you have Ramanop, Excavator, like, how are you getting all these lands in your graveyard? Yeah. <laughs> and the answer is, we've got lands that put themselves in yeah. your graveyard. <laughs> so this deck, because it's five color, we're running all ten fetches. And of course, we're running things like Strip Mine, Wasteland, Tectonic Edge, Dust Bowl, mm-hmm. all these lands that sacrifice to control what your opponent's mana bases are doing. Mm-hmm. And things like um, Petrified Field is just kind of a really good card. It, it is a land, adds one colorless mana to your mana pool, and you can sack it to return a land from your grave to your hand. Like in lieu of a Life from the Loam or some other way to get cards back from your graveyard, like this card can help you move forward and get there. It used to be some pretty secret tech, <laughs> but not so much these days. I really want to stress that the strip mine effects are pretty important because your commander mm-hmm. basically has any non-land permanent covered. Yeah. You just don't have to worry about those. So it's really just stuff in your opponent's mana bases that are the things that might trip you up. And mm-hmm. that's what you want to be hitting with your strip mine effects. Mm-hmm. And of course, like if you can like strip mine lock people, if you've got... like a crucible and a way to get extra land drops then you can just eat away your opponent's mana bases to the point where even if they do draw an answer for the loops that you have going they won't be able to do it because they don't have any land yeah <laughs> Woo. so again to kind of get back to like the gods they're just chilling through all of this mm-hmm. so you cast your Erebos and he's just chilling like child's blowing up like you're strip mining people and Erebos is sitting there like hey you want some cards dude you want some cards 
all of these gods kind of just do that. So you end up with a board, and not even just a board, a board that's like cranking out value for you in various ways. And when you have a board and no one else does, you can usually come out <laughs> at that point. So definitely an interesting list. This is probably one of the better five-color control decks that mm -hmm. exist. This deck is pretty slow. There are a couple cards that do hose it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, a Leyline of the Void or mm -hmm. Rest in Peace. Yeah, if you can prevent your commander from ever triggering, then, like, whoops. Like, mm -hmm. the thing I had planned to use to answer every single problem is no. broke. Yeah, so there are some things. And, and the list includes some kill spells. There's, like, an Anguish Unmaking, and there's some counter spells to help with those problems. But definitely, if someone does end up landing a Rest in Peace, you, Ooh, you're, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, it's gonna, you're going to have to figure something out. <laughs> Five Color is an interesting place to be because there's the pull to just play the staple cards. And I really do think that Child forces you to not play with them mm -hmm. and kind of forces you to think a little bit harder and construct the shell that works with it. Because you can't just play... Random permanents that you want to stick on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah Sylvan Library is not actually super good in mm -hmm. this list because it gets blown up yeah. really quickly like it doesn't get to do its thing even like a lot of the formats efficient removal is not good under child of alara mm -hmm. like why would you ever doomblade something or terminate something when yeah. your commander does that repeatedly all the time yeah all the time yeah it's only like exile effects that might pique your interest but a lot of the best permanents in all five colors child doesn't want that mm -hmm. a lot of the best uh, removal spells in all five colors child doesn't want that I remember first seeing it and going like, whoa, <laughs> like what? They did that? And now thinking about it and actually thinking through it, it's, it's actually cooler than I thought it was when I first saw it. And I, I do actually think a lot of that is just because since then we've had the gods and we've had a lot more tech for the deck. Yeah, I really can't wait to return to Theros and get more potential playables because like the hit rate for gods is not bad as long as oh, they yeah. do anything useful like there's what 23 gods in existence we were running nine gods in this deck so the hit rate on gods is pretty high mm -hmm. if we get another like couple good entries into the pantheon when we uh, yeah. go to Theros this deck could get a lot stronger mm-hmm mm -hmm. Yeah, they've been hinting at a Elspeth return, which might mean we get to go back to Nyx or see what's going on mm -hmm. over there. So that'd be pretty cool. All right, that's the end of our deck tech. We're going to be posting the list. You'll be able to check it out for yourself. Please let us know if you have any ideas for how to improve it, mm -hmm. if there's additional takes on God Tribal that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or, or even just five color lands. If there's other ways you want to do that, let us know what you think. Before we go, I just want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. So they are Bradley Pullen, Gustav Nyland, Ryan White King, Mark Tranquilli, Eamon Schofield, Addison Sage, and Elvis Lai. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you are interested in becoming a Patreon patron, you can check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>